We spend all our days running from pressure, running from stress, when it is the pressure and stress that causes you to produce the Samuel. And now for Haters Gonna Hate. Thank you for joining us for Brothers of the Word, because brother, you need the word. Hallelujah. Well, on tonight, we're going to head over to the book of First Samuel. And we want to talk tonight really from the subject of, how about this, haters gonna hate. <laughs> haters gonna hate. Yeah, I know it's a song title too somewhere in there, but that's best I can give you right now. Haters going to hate. And really, if it's the will of the Lord, and I believe it is tonight, I want to prophesy to you out of these scriptures. This is a very familiar scripture to many of us who've been in church for a while. You know about Hannah and Paniah. You know about them. I'm going to read to you just a little bit here. I'm going to read to you verses one through eight. We're not going to go through the entire case tonight, but there's so much here. It's mind boggling. You do a whole series just on this. And so I want to ask you, just get rid of your preconceived notions and just follow along with me. We're going to get the word of God tonight. So it says, let's go back up here again. First Samuel, the first chapter, first Samuel one and first chapter. And it says this. Now, there was a certain man of Ramah Faim Zophim. Thank you, Jesus. Of Mount. Let me tell you the definition, really. Let me stop for a second. Let me tell you the definition of Ramah Faim, I mean, Rama Fa Fanzo. There it is. I said it first time. <laughs> Give me credit. I said it the first time. Well, that word means double height of the watchers. Double height of the watchers. Okay, so right away we're talking about a man who was from the double height of the watchers. Okay, that's pretty good, isn't it? Let's zoom on down. Let's go to verse number two. Praise the Lord. Verse number two says, that he had this man Elkanah that we're talking about. Elkanah had two wives, and the name of one was Hannah, and the other one, and the name of the other, uh, Peniah. And Peniah had children, but Hannah had no children. Let's stop right there for a moment. Now, most biblical scholars say that Elkanah, and Elkanah also means God has possessed or God has created. Elkanah, this man from the double height of the watchers, from a high place, this man, whose name means God has possessed or God has created, had two wives. Let's stay there for a moment. God has created. What has God created? Or what will God use to create something? This man has two wives, Hannah and Paniah. The name Hannah means grace, grace. God uses grace to create. The name Paniah means jewel. It means jewel. Now, this is something very particular here. Understand something. So God, we know this account. We know that eventually that Hannah's going to have a son. His son is named Samuel, right? And he's going to go forth and be a part of a great reformation there in the house of God because the high priest's sons, Hophni and Phinehas, they're going crazy in the house, right? They're sleeping with the women at the gates and they're messing with the Lord's money. So rather offering in our context today will be money, women and money, women and money, women and money. So Eli, the high priest, tries to tell the boys, hey, boys, you need to stop. God's going to get you. 
But they ignore him. They keep doing what they're going to do. So eventually God's going to bring judgment into the house and he's going to use Samuel to do it. So here's this thing that God's going to create that God's going to birth out through the Hannah, if you will, through grace. He's going to birth out this prophet that's going to bring order back to the house of God and Samuel will. But before Hannah has Samuel, she's going to have to go through some trials. And this is where Paniah comes in. Paniah is also used here as a tool to produce the Samuel. Because when you look at a jewel, jewels are created under extreme pressure, under immense pressure. So God is about to use the jewel, extreme pressure to cause Hannah to produce the Samuel. Because grace cannot or does not produce without pressure. Grace has to have pressure to produce. We know that in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, before he started his earthly ministry, the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Immense pressure. We think it's immense pressure when a demon or two talk to us. How about the devil himself come to you? You don't want that, do you? But that was immense pressure. And Jesus, of course, is the giver of grace, right? So he went through immense pressure in order to demonstrate a life that we all would live, a victorious life as sons of God. And then again, he went through immense pressure again in the garden and also upon the cross, the whole crucifixion process, pressure, pressure, pressure in order to bring forth the salvation that we need. So here again is Elkanah. He's the one that's born from on high, from that high place, from that double watching place, whose name means God has possessed or God has created. And he has two wives again, Hannah and Paniah. Hannah had no children, but Paniah had children. She had sons and daughters. Let's go there for a moment. So Hannah was loved by Elkanah. Now, again, most Bible commentators or historians say that that Elkanah, the husband, married Hannah first. He married Hannah. But after a period of time, Hannah could have no children. So he dipped again. Let's go ahead and find another wife here because I have to have heirs. I have to have children. Hannah, I love you, but you're not producing. You're not producing because grace can't produce without some measure of pressure. And so he welcomes Paniah in the house and Paniah has children. She has children. And every time they go to church, as you see the entire case, read it when you get home. I need to go on. Once a year, they would go up to Shiloh to worship, right? And Elkanah would bring his whole family. So there is Paniah with her children. There's little Bobby and Janie and so forth and so on. They're all with her there. And there's Hannah. She's by herself. She's by herself. And so they would take their sacrifice up to the high priest and they would sacrifice. And Elkanah would then begin to hand out pieces of the sacrifice, you know, the meat of the sacrifice to his family, to Paniah and then to her children and then also to Hannah. To Hannah, because he loved her, he gave her a double portion or King James says a worthy portion because he loves her. Now, you think, why in the world is and then, of course, at that time, every year, the Bible says year by year, her adversary, Paniah, would torment Hannah, would vex her. You don't have any children. You know, you're cursed of God. And she would just torment her and torment her and torment her. And she would torment her so that Hannah would be in tears, that she would cry and she would cry out. 
You have it. But I'm thinking, Lord, why is this woman tormenting Hannah so? Because she has the children. Because really back in Bible times, if a woman could bring forth sons, bring forth heirs, she was thought to be blessed. And if a woman was barren, she was thought to be cursed. So here's this woman who is bearing children for her husband. Why is she tormenting Hannah when she has all the children? She's tormenting Hannah because Hannah has the father's love. Elkanah loves Hannah. And so Paniah is jealous. Jealous of what? Jealous that Hannah has the father's love. Grace will always have the father's love. Always have it. And so year after year they come and Paniah was just tormenting her, just teasing her, just vexing her. And it got to the point that Hannah began to cry out before the Lord. And eventually she goes in there to the high priest and and she begins to pray. Before we get that, let me tell you something else, because this text is so rich. Now, we said that I wanted to bring you to the point that really want to prophesy to you from this, because Peniah is not tormenting Hannah again because of her status. She's tormenting her because she doesn't have something, because she doesn't have children, because she has a father's love. But understand something on Hannah's side. She's being tormented because she doesn't have children. She's being tormented. Why does she have children? Because the Bible says that the father had closed up her womb. God closed her womb. God, the Lord, made Hannah barren. The Lord closed up her womb. The Lord would not allow her to give birth. Why would God do that? The Lord would not allow her to give birth. Why? Because this grace needed the pressure in order to bring forth. And it took a certain amount of pressure for Hannah to get to the point where she would cry out before the Lord. Now, Hannah is going through this pain. She's going through this suffering. She's going through these trials, not because of who she is, but because of who she's carrying. She's carrying the Samuel. So she's crying. She may be uh, weeping at night. And remember, in order, you know how babies are produced. We know that we don't have to go into biology class. We got that right. When Elkanah would go in to Hannah, they were expecting results for years. They were expecting results. And can you imagine doing the same thing over and over and over and not achieving the results? You're doing the same thing over and over and over and nothing happens. Can you imagine Hannah, you know, maybe one month. Oh, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm kind of late. I'm kind of late. Maybe and nothing for years. This has happened. And up until the point when, again, it became so that historians say that, of course, Elkanah had to marry Peniah because, honey, I love you, but you're not getting it done. Imagine how she felt about that. You're just not doing it. So a little pressure was applied in the relationship. Now, noticing the account, too, that Elkanah, the husband, never did. We don't see it in Scripture. He never did stop Peniah from teasing Hannah. He only said to her, Hannah, why are you crying? Aren't I better to you than 10 sons? I'm giving you a double portion. I'm giving you honor. I'm giving you all my love. Isn't that enough for you? But he didn't understand that she was weeping because of what she was carrying. She was tormented. I understand. Thank you for your love. Thank you for the extra meat. Thank you for the extra attention. But you cannot possibly understand the burden that I'm carrying on the inside of me. 
Thank you for everything you're doing. But there's a God shaped burden on the inside of us that the Lord places there on the inside of us that unless the conditions are right, unless there's enough pressure that causes us to fall to our knees and cry out to him, unless that pressure is there, we'll carry that burden and be vexed by that burden until the time of complete release. And how did the time of complete release happen? Hannah simply, she vowed a vow before the Lord. She said, Lord, if you give him to me, if you allow me to birth a man child, if you give me a baby, then I'll do what? I'll give him back to you. This burden or this gift, this desire that came from God in order to bring it forth, she had to give it back to God. It was received from the father's heart and she carried it and then put it back in the father's heart, releasing it to him. This desire came from God. So the Bible says again that they came every year, year by year, year by year. Hannah was tormented year by year. They came to the place of worship called Shiloh. Now, Shiloh means the place of rest. Did Hannah get a place of rest? Was it a place of rest for her? No, it was a place of torment. She came to worship and came to know God. And many people come to church to know the Lord. Lord, I want to hear your voice. I want to worship you. I want to honor you. But when they get there, they find torment. You say, this must be the devil around here. This must be the devil. Why is she talking about me? Why is this happening? And why is that happening? Why can't I find rest? I think I'm going to find another church. I can't find the rest here. But God says, listen, I prescribed that pressure for you so that you could bring forth your Samuel. So we spend all our days running from pressure, running from stress. When it is the pressure and stress, it is the jewel that causes you to produce the Samuel. Now, the Samuel in your case may not be a baby boy. The Samuel in your case may be a ministry. It may be a business. It may be a book. It may be a song. It may be a group of poems. But it is something that God has given you that he wants you to give back to him. And in giving it back to him, it's going to cause you to produce it and it's going to go forth. Now, listen, we know also in the account that after Hannah gave birth to Samuel, that Samuel was not the only child that she had. God wanted her to have children. I believe she had maybe three other sons and two daughters. So they had more children. God said, just give me your first. Give me that thing that's really on your heart. Just give me your first. Mary and Joseph had more children than the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. They went on to have children. Praise God. God said, just give me your first. The promised land was a land of great promise. I mean, fruit and, uh, and all that there, it, it flowed with milk and honey. God said, you can have it, but just give me the first. Just give me Jericho and everything that's in it. Don't touch any of it is mine. I want you to be prosperous. God says, I want you to have it, but understand something. You're not being tormented. You're not crying at night. All these things are not happening to you because of who you are, but because of what you're carrying. Because what you're carrying, realize who you are and the depths of what you have, the depths of what you have. Many times we discount the gift of God within us. We discount it. We let the enemy discount the gift, but allow the pressure to testify to the power of the gift. There would not be so much pressure on you if the gift was not so powerful. The pressure testifies. The warfare testifies to the gift. And so the penina was released. 
For a time again, Hannah could not have a child. Elkanah, they tried, they tried, they tried, and to the Lord dealt with, I'm sure. Elkanah, hmm, who am I going to have? Baby, who are we going to get? Who are we going to get? Oh, I, I like her. You know, whatever. I'm not sure how the thing worked out. Praise the Lord. But somehow the jewel came into their lives. And after all was said and done, after Hannah went into the temple and she had that experience with the Lord, and she began to pray and began to talk to God, And the Bible says that Eli was watching her mouth because she was praying. Her lips were moving, but there was no sound. And he said, you're drunk. Why don't you stop your drinking, woman? Stop your drinking. You're drunk. She said, oh, no, 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 sir. I am a woman of grief and sorrow. I'm crying out before the Lord. Oh, oh, okay. I see. I see. I see. All right. Then you can have. Go ahead. The Lord said, bless. You can have it. In so many words. Go back home. You can read it all. But what happened? She goes back home. And how is she going to make the Samuel come to pass? Doing the same thing that they've been doing, that married people do. But this time, it worked. How is ministry going to happen? How's the anointing going to happen? How is this great business going to happen? How are you going to do the same thing you have been doing? But now, it works. It works. The same thing, how did David get Goliath? The same thing he had always been doing. With the same tools he always been using. But now, against this, it works. The same thing, the same microphones, the same stage, the same person at your computer, the same you who are designing the same thing. But now God puts his super on it and it becomes supernatural and it works. He's been training us all along to do a certain thing. We say, God, why isn't it happening? It's not happening many times because we have resisted the pressure. We've run from pain. I don't like pain. I don't like pressure. As human nature, I mean, we don't. I prefer the easy route. I prefer the pain-free route. But it's that pressure that God uses to bring forth our Samuels. God says simply, give them back to me. Give them back to my heart. Let me show you three of the scriptures, then we're going to close out. Oh, I hope you're getting something out of this. Let me share with you just about the pain and pressure. How about James, the first chapter, verses two through four. James, first chapter, two through four. It says this, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. God uses pressure. He uses that pressure. Let's look at first Peter five. I love this. First Peter five, 10. First Peter five, 10 says this, but the God of all grace who have called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. After that, ye have suffered a while. After you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. God uses pressure. First Peter four, first Peter four, verses 12, 13 and 14. Let's go to verse 12. It says, beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you. As though some strange thing happened unto you. Don't think it's strange. But see, we'll stop for a moment because we think it's strange. We get caught off guard. Oh, what are they talking about me? Oh, my. Why is all this pressure? I got this night and we begin just to freak out about it. Oh, but I don't understand. Wait, wait a minute. I'm under pressure. Hey, hey, hey. that's going to be something good here because it's helping me to produce. Verse 13, he said, but rejoice 
Inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye shall be glad also with exceeding joy. Verse 14, if ye be reproached, criticized, mocked, and so forth and so on, if you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. Why should we be happy? For the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part, he is evil spoken of, but on your part, he is glorified. God uses pressure. And that's that one thing that we run from. I can put up both my hands and a foot. I will put my other foot up too, but you know what's going to happen. I haven't learned to fly just yet. Run from pressure. Don't like it. Don't like the feeling. Don't like it. Haters will hate. But we need them to hate so we can learn to appreciate. I can't think of anything else, but you got what I'm saying, right? They're going to do it. It's going to do it. And we'll let them stop with this. You even find this in nature. We know about a battery, how a battery operates. A battery operates with a positive and negative pole. The battery cannot operate without its positive and negative. You cannot start your car without a positive and a negative. It takes the positive and negative for the power to circulate. You cannot have all positive, 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 positive and get power. It takes to struggle to produce the power. It takes to drag to produce the power. The very thing we curse, we run from. God is saying, I let this come in your life so that you can have some power. But Lord, I don't want to. I'm trying. You've been asking me for power. You've been asking me for this and that. And I'll allow this coming so that you can produce what you need. But we run and run. We've not understood. Now, I pray, God, you help us understand it tonight and really get it in us that when those times of divine pressure comes, we rejoice because God is working something out of us. He's creating something big, something massive on the inside of us. And remember, let the amount of pressure that you're going through, the amount of pain that you're going through, let that testify to the amount of power that's also in you. The devil's trying to stop it. He's trying to kill it, but he wouldn't bring out, I mean, you wouldn't bring out a nuclear bomb or something that's worth a few pennies. It's got to be something big he's fighting for. Big he's fighting it, trying to stop. It's got to be something big. So let the pressure testify to the power. Because if you're under extreme pressure, if you're worried, if you're frustrated, if you're aggravated, if all these people are talking about it, if the haters are hating, take a deep breath and rejoice. Because God is faithful. He is so faithful. And he's producing what you need to bring forth your Samuel. I pray you've heard the word of God tonight. Thank you for joining us for Brothers of the Word. Because brother, you need the word. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. You are listening to brothersoftheword.com. This was the message titled, Haters Gonna Hate, by Mark Stroud. This message is number 6608, that's 6608. To listen to thousands of free messages or to send this message number 6608 to a friend, go to brothersoftheword.com. If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to help support this ministry, go to iwanttogive.com. That's iwanttogive.com. Listen to brothersoftheword.com often because, brother, you need the word. Oh, brothers of the word.